Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. This is a New Year teaching series to help us understand biblical richness. The truth is, all of us long to be rich. However, richness can be defined in many different ways. Why not allow the Word of God to shape your understanding of being rich? With sound teaching and understanding, your life can reflect these biblical truths and you can learn how to get rich in 2014. Get ready to receive the blessings that God wants to pour out on you in the year ahead. Here's our senior pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly, with today's message. Money, 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 money! I think they need me in the choir up here. What do you think? Hey, so, so glad you're here. I come with huge news. Might be the most important thing I'm going to say. The entire message. Are you ready? Are you ready? Listen in, lean in. You should be on the edge of your seats for this. We now have all the money we need to successfully accomplish this God-sized vision that we have in this church to reach people for Jesus, teach them the Bible, and release fully devoted followers of Christ. We've been at this three weeks. We're in our third week to this series called How to Get Rich. And I come to let you know we got it. We got it. We got enough to reach people all over the globe. We got enough to help accomplish the Great Commission. We got enough to build a great children's ministry and a student ministry to impact the next generation. We've got enough to grow great worship facilities to introduce people to Jesus and make it hard to go to hell from the Carolinas. We got it! We just have to give it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I love it. That's where it all kind of turned from celebration to reality, didn't it? We got it. We got it. And we're on the edge of, as a church, understanding this whole concept of generosity and stewardship. I have been so blown away. I mean, just the fact that this place is still packed. You folks are still coming. You're still engaged. You're still leaning in to a subject and a series on money. Way to go, church. And we are right on the edge. Your comments have been so encouraging to me lately. And if you're a guest, like if you just showed up here today, it's going to be hard for you to kind of lock in. Or if you've missed a few Sundays, it's going to be hard for you to lock in because we're wrapping it up today. It is our final installment of How to Get Rich. So if you missed any of this or... Listen, if you've been here every Sunday, but you know, you know, you know, you need to hear this over and over and over and over again. Go to the Resource Center today. You can get the entire series. Because this is the series. This is the key, as I've been saying. That will unlock for you biblical richness, biblical favor, blessings, protection. Sometimes prosperity, but really always prosperity, but sometimes prosperity as the world defines prosperity. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for uh, the awesome privilege to stand here before this beautiful church and to proclaim your word. God, take our minds today. Think through them. Take our hearts, God, expand them and fill through them that we might care about the things that you care about. God, take my lips and speak through them today. And Father, last but not least, may the Denver Broncos and Peyton Manning beat in a bad way the New England Patriots and Tom Brady. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, where are you going, bro? <laughs> oh, yeah, I just did it. I just did it. That's my friend. You're not leaving because I said that, are you? I didn't think so. He's just going to the bathroom or something. Oh, I just did that. Absolutely. Let's go get this today. Um, you know, I am a big sports fan. I love sports. I don't worship sports. There's a difference. Some of you worship sports. Some of you, if your team loses, you go into a tailspin for two weeks. That's ridiculous. Okay, it's just sports. But I love sports, and I coach my kids. And, and on Monday, I, I went to the uh, Duke basketball game. 
God help Duke basketball this year. They got more talent than anybody, but they can't seem to make it work yet. And I don't know what's going to happen with Carolina either. It's like what the, you know, the ACC is going to be interesting this year. But anyway, so I, I'm going to the Duke basketball game on Monday night and I'm going with my good friend, our teaching and connections pastor, Chad Lunsford. And so, um, Chad, Chad and his lovely wife, Katie invited me over for dinner and I got really, really excited because I just love their family. And I love, I love their kids. They have three kids. They have Aiden, who is their newborn. And then they got two little girls, Ava and Ella. And uh, I love these little girls. For some reason, God has put a special place in my heart for them. And God's put a special place in their heart for me for whatever reason. And they always give me artwork. Always. I mean, like I have a folder in my study at the house. that's about that thick with all of their artwork. And so I walk in and sure enough, here comes the artwork. I mean, piece after piece after piece. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making a big deal out of it all and just really enjoying their girls. But then Ava Ava handed me one that was really extra, extra powerful. So I brought it for you. And um, it, it's, it's, she, she drew out all this stuff. It's got, it's got a pulpit. That's how they say it in the real southern church. Then it's got stained glass windows. And now that I think about it, Chad and Katie, your daughter might be heading toward the traditional church. Anyway, but, um, but then it's got this verse. And I actually scanned this so you could see The verse that Ava wrote out for me, it's Psalm 119. And I'm wondering if we could read it out loud together. Ready? Go. Just tell me what to do and I will do it, Lord. Make me walk along the right path. Just tell me what to do and what? I will do it, Lord. And I got that and I got down on little Ava's level and I said, oh, Ava. I said, sweetie, if you will grow up to be a woman of God who obeys that verse, you will be an amazing woman of God. Later on that night, as I was riding home to put it in my folder, I had this thought, oh, Benji, if you would just live out that verse, and if the church that you serve would live out that verse, if the church would just say, Lord, just tell us what to do, and we'll do it. We will be one of the most amazing churches on planet earth. Can I get an amen? Amen. And if we would become a church that did what God told us to do with our finances, we would be an amazing church. So let me just, let me just review for you last Two weeks we've been at this. And again, if you're a guest, man, we're so glad you're here. If you're not a believer, this is not for you. You don't get, you get a buy. You can just sit there, check Facebook, Twitter. You, you can watch some of us squirm. You can do whatever you want to do. But, the, but we're glad you're here. But this is for those who call this their church home. In the very first week, we looked at First Chronicles 29. Remember that? And David has this epiphany that he needs to build the, the Lord a house, the temple. And so he sets out to build the Lord's temple. And the Lord says, no, 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 you're not going to build this temple. But your son Solomon is going to build this temple, remember? And so Solomon sets out to build this temple. And David kind of becomes the capital campaign manager. And he, he leads the way in generosity. And a kind of generosity frenzy starts to develop. And they build the temple of the Lord. And there's an unbelievable passage of scripture. And I had three big statements that we kind of hung our hats on that day. Here they are. I wonder if you remember them and if you would say them with me. And before we even say them, here's what I want you to do. We did this the first week and it was so much fun. I want to do it again. Indulge me. Um, would you just raise your hands? That's as Pentecostal as some of you were ever be right there. But I wish you could see it. It's actually quite beautiful. And if you don't have your hands raised, we're not going to make you hold them up there long, but just raise them up. And why don't we just say these ready, ready, go. Everything belongs to God. Everything comes from God. Everything is Way to go. That was two weeks ago. And I talked to you about richness. And I, I let, let you know it's okay to want to be rich. So long as you correctly define richness. And it's often quite different than, the, than how the world defines it. And I told you that if you want to get rich, the way you get rich in life is you, you actually learn to be a steward instead of an owner. Remember that? The whole, the whole thing is really on stewardship. That we realize and live like we are stewards and not owners. 
And then last week, last week we had a, a great day up in the church and, and I laid out for you, this is how most people spend their money. This is how most Christians in America, and I mean Christians, spend their resources. They, they spend it, right? Then they pay bills and taxes. Remember, we had a lot of fun with that, right? Who gets excited about number two? You're far more godly than me if you do. And then we save it. And then we do what, church? Remember last week? Then we do what? And I helped us understand exactly. I, heard, I helped us understand that if you live based on this model, as so many people in the church do today, then what you end up doing is you end up giving God your leftovers. It's like, God, I got paid. I've been enjoying this great meal, this great home, this great car. Been enjoying it all, God. Now you can go raid the refrigerator, God. The leftovers are yours. Help yourself to the Tupperware containers, Lord. And then I showed you how the way you become a steward is you, you flip it. It's your priorities and self-control that determine how you spend your money. And we flipped it. And what biblical stewardship looks like, not what Benji thinks. What biblical stewardship looks like for you and me, I'm in this with you, is that we give it first. This is why in the Bible it is called the first fruits. We give first to the purposes of God. Again, I'm talking to the believers, those who've been saved, those who claim Jesus, right? Those who walk with him, those who live their life against the backdrop of a blood-stained cross and realize that he gave everything so the natural response of the Christian is to give first, right? Then I talked to you about saving it. You know, some of us aren't even sure you should save money. Saving money is wise. Go read the book of Proverbs. Saving money is hope for the future. Then I talked to us about paying bills and taxes, right? And then we spend it and we live on the rest. And before we get into the word today, I, got, I come to bring you great news today uh, because last week when we talked about debt, remember that? And I talked to you about us trying to get a speaker here where we have got him here. God worked out an incredible situation for us this week. Listen to me very carefully. Everybody grab your pen. I don't want any of you to miss this. Joseph Sengel, who is an incredible communicator of the likes of Dave Ramsey and others, We'll be leading a two-day workshop, but you only come to one. It's Tuesday, February 11th and Wednesday, February 12th. Joseph Sangal will be at New Hope Church teaching a financial learning experience. It's for those who are in debt. It's for those who are not in debt. It's for the church to come and continue to learn. Today we wrap up this series, but this FLE on February 11th and 12th, which is only like, what, four, four Sundays away from now? That next week, okay, it's coming this is going to be an incredible opportunity. Now today though, go ahead and open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And as you're doing that, let me just, let me just take a few moments to talk to those of you um, who have, have not yet made this paradigm shift that we've been talking about for a few weeks. And even for some of you who have, you will, you will connect with what I'm saying. I had this realization this week as I was thinking about this subject matter in that, number one, tithing and, and giving to the Lord. I know it's hard. It's a tricky subject and it, it creates all kinds of emotions in us. But I had this, this realization, and I really believe it to be true. Most of the people in the church who don't, who don't give God his due in their finances, who don't return his tithe back to them. Most folks don't do that, not because of greed. Like, I really don't think most of you, if you struggle with this, those of you who don't, I don't think it's because of greed. I think what it is probably because in most cases is we, we worry. Some of you are here today, and I'm, I'm definitely not throwing stones like because I've been there with you. Some of us, we really, really, really want to give. It's not because of greed. It's because we what if ourselves out of giving. We what if. This, some of you are here and you're like, what if the stock market crashes, right? What if I lose my job? 
What if I don't get my Christmas bonus? What if he, she walks out on me? What if, what if, what if? And we what if ourselves out of being faithful to God with our finances. And so the thing I wanted to say to us in the very beginning today is when the what if happens, stick with me here for a moment, because guess what? The what if will probably happen. Life is hard. When the what if happens in your life and it happens in my life, it is then that we really, 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 really want God involved in our finances. I mean, have you ever thought about this? We what if ourselves out of giving, then when the what if happens, we want God involved in our finances, but God says, you haven't been involved in my finances. Like, like, here's what you would not say. When the what if happens, trust me, you won't say this. When it all falls apart, you won't say this. You won't pray this. Oh, God, I don't need you right now. Why don't you go bless somebody else? You'll never say that. I would never say that. Instead, we say, God, we need you. Step in. And God, even though, even though I, you've been giving me money all these years, God, I've been coming over and I've been doing the three finger thing. I've just been, I've just been sprinkling a little bit of seed in your house. But God, even though I have not had you involved in my finances, now that the what ifs have happened, I want you to come and bless me. And that is a recipe for disaster. That is a recipe for disaster. The highest level of giving, what I've been trying to say to you for two weeks now, and I'll, I'll end today with this. The highest level of giving is not based upon need. It's not based upon greed. It's based upon the principle of seed. Of what? Second Corinthians chapter nine. If you're ready for the word of the Lord, say, thank you, Jesus. That was pretty weak. If you're ready for the word of the Lord, say, bring it, pastor. Okay, just making sure you're still with me. Verse 6, 2 Corinthians 9. Take out your Bibles, your tablets, whatever. Take notes. You don't want to miss this. Number 6, verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows... What's that word? What's that word? Whoever sows sparingly will also reap what? And whoever sows generously will also... Will also reap generously. There is this principle throughout the scriptures. And again, you've heard me come down on prosperity gospel. I don't like some of that stuff on the television. But listen, even though there have been abuses along the way, it does not negate the fact that the Bible is crystal clear that God loves to bless those who are, come on church, blessable. And right here in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, whoever sows sparingly will reap what? Sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Now look at verse 7. Confession. For the longest time, I did not like verse... Have you ever read a part of the Bible where you're like, I don't like that? You, you, can, you can do that, church. It's okay. You don't, you, don't, you, know, you don't curse the scriptures. You never curse the Holy Spirit. But it's okay to be honest with God. And I'm about to read a verse to you that I, when I used to read, I used to think, no pastor would ever say that. What is the Apostle Paul thinking, right? Let me explain to you what I mean. Look at what he says here in verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Now, as a pastor, I've been one of those who don't like that verse. Some of you are like, woohoo, I love that verse. Don't tell me to tithe, pastor. I just got to give whatever God puts in my heart. I can't say that. Because that's diametrically opposed to everything else we see in Scripture. Lean in because this is really, really good. Again, I used to not like this verse until I actually started to understand this verse. It says again, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or what, church? Under, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. What Paul is doing here is he is setting up a contrast. Paul is letting us know that he does not enjoy, God does not look favorably upon people who give under compulsion, people who give by guilt, people who give as a result of manipulation from pastors. What the Bible is saying is that 
Pastors like me should never try to guilt you into giving. They should never try to manipulate you. They should never try to make you give under stressful circumstances. But instead, Paul is saying God loves a cheerful giver. And the way you give cheerfully is you actually get away and you think about it and you plan it out. Like Paul in the Bible is not suggesting that we have offerings in church. And because I've preached a decent message, you go digging into your pocket to give more. Paul is not suggesting that when the offering basket passes, any of us feel like, oh, no, people are watching. Right. What am I going to give to the offering? Like we get a, we get we get some uh, connect cards and the offering that are blank. There's nothing on them. <laughs> you know Why? Because some of you sit here when we pass the basket and you're like, oh, no, people are looking. I got to put something in. So you just throw a card in there. <laughs> You'd be surprised what we found in the offerings before. No, true story. True story. A pastor, a friend of mine preached a sermon on giving. And it was a church where they had a lot of college students. And I see a lot of young people in here. We're so glad you're here. And a college student put in the offering basket. A bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit half eaten. I'm not making this up. And to it was attached a note. The college student knew his Bible because he wrote, Silver and gold have not I. <laughs> but what I give thee in the name of Jesus. I received one time in the offering an IOU slip. I'm not kidding. And so Paul is setting up this contrast between guilt that is associated with manipulation or stress or, oh no, somebody's watching me to actually a planned out percentage giving. True stewards, are you listening to me? Give percentage, which is why stewards give offerings like $843.36. I'm not kidding. We prepare, don't we? Come on, let's just be real for a moment. College students, since we're talking about you. If you're a decent student, you prepare for your exams in your class. Let the parents say amen. Especially the parents who are paying for the education. <laughs> you plan, you prepare. Adults, you plan and prepare for interviews. Big work projects, you plan and prepare for it. Big meetings, Big, big meetings you plan, you prepare, you get ready. Why is it that we prepare and plan for the important things in life? But if we were honest, most of us would say we don't plan and prepare for worship. And so we just bust up in here. We haven't prayed. This is, this is not just about money. Like, what would it look like in 2014? Come on, what would it look like in 2014 for you and me to actually prepare our hearts and our minds for worship? What would it look like for us to get up on Sunday mornings and have a little margin built into our, our schedule so that we're in the word and we're praying, God, bless me today. God, speak through my pastor. God, I'm going to worship you. What would it look like in 2014 for God's men and women to actually get in an unencumbered environment? Come on, a low stress environment where men and women actually look at their income streams. Multiply by 10 percent. And if they give weekly, divide by 52 if they give bi-weekly, divide by 26. If they give monthly, like my family does, divide by 12. And actually prepare instead of, oh, here comes the basket, five spot. It's a, it's a paradigm shift. And God says, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. So don't give reluctantly. Don't give under compulsion. Please don't give on how good my sermons are. You know what bothers me? This is not in my notes. Didn't say this last service. You can look at 12 years of church history at this church. And you, look, you can look at when I preached on tithing. What do you think happens? But then what happens when I don't preach on Because I don't talk about money a lot around here. What happens? Thank you for... I mean, thank you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking it, right? right? God, God uses your resources any way they come. 
But what would it look like if we gave, not under compulsion, not based on how good Benji's messages are, but what if we gave because we realized God gave everything for us, God owns everything for us, and therefore we are stewards against the backdrop of a blood-stained cross? That's worth clapping about right there. Absolutely. What would that, how would that change our lives? Paul would address this in 1 Corinthians 16 too. We're in 2 Corinthians 9, but in 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians 16, you don't need to turn there, but I want you to read this with me out loud just so you see what I mean. Ready? Go. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in what? Now leave that up for a moment. What is that? That's percentage giving. That's apodicato, that's tithe. That's a man or a woman who's not giving reluctantly or under compulsion. That is a man or a woman who has actually figured out what is my tithe in keeping with my income. Let's continue. Saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. I mean, Paul was so big on this. He was like, I don't even want to have to preach a message when I come on giving. You guys just get it right. When I get there, God will keep using us to advance his kingdom. Let's go back to the word. Verse 8. Love this passage. Verse 8. And God is able to bless you. Help me out, church. What is that word? So that in all things at having all that you need, you will abound in every good Repeat after me, all things, at all times, all that I need. Oh, doesn't that sound good? Say it with me again. Ready? Repeat after me, all things, at all times, all that I need. When our faith and our generosity intersect, God starts to pour out his favor on us. In other words, when a man or a woman stops three fingering it, oh God, that was a good message. Baskets coming five spot, 20 spot. When a man or a woman stops doing that and a man or a woman says, you know what? God's given me all of my money. Amen. I don't own it. Amen. I am a steward of it. Then therefore I am going to come to God's house wherever I go to church. This is not about new hope. It's about those of you who call this new hope. I am going to come to God's house and I am going to pour out. That's about 10% of my money. That's some smoky seed. <laughs> Reminds me a little bit of Colorado now that I think about it. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't resist it. Some of you are just getting it right now. You weren't here a few weeks ago. I said, just because they make it legal does not mean it's right. Young person. Young person. But when a man or a woman takes the money, all the income streams that God has given him or her, and they are faithful to tithe on that, the Bible says God has a way of coming in and blessing them with all that they need all the time. God is good. Look at what he says here in verse 9, just so you understand what I'm saying here. Get scripture behind it. Number 9. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures what? Now, come on. You know what this means? This means that in the Bible, we see that there is a special place in God's heart for the poor. Which is why this church is so passionate about trying to go to foreign lands. Even here, you're in your Super Bowl Sunday. We're going to be gathering soups again to bless the poor people. There is a clear place in God's heart heart for poor people. And when stewards transition from owners to stewardship, they start to understand that God's plan is to use us. Listen, church, to bless those who are in need. And some of you are like, well, I'm in need. I'm poor. Can I be very real for a moment? I did the research. If you make $48,000 a year, If you just make $48,000 a year, guess what? You're in the top 1% of the people in, a, in the world in terms of income. When President Obama or other administrations talk about the top 1%, they're not talking about the top 1% in the world. They're talking about the top 1% where? In America. 
But if you make $48,000, you are in the top 1% of the people on the planet in terms of income. We are in America. We are in the West. I'm not saying some of you don't have needs. I'm sure you do. But let me just call a spade a spade. We are a bunch of spoiled fat cats in America. We really are. If you've got a roof over your head, if you've got a car or two. Oh, the way way I'm looking around, most of us aren't starving. (laughs) Come on, some of us, me included, we need to do some fasting. Right? We're, we're, We're spoiled. So God's word says God has taken and scattered the seed for the poor. And then did you get that? Next part. This is so good. Their righteousness endures what? Help me out, church. Their righteousness endures. You know what that means? That means that when we get this stewardship thing right, when we learn to use our finances for the purposes of God, guess what? Your gifts and your righteousness will ricochet throughout all of eternity. I'm going to bring up a very cheesy song. We're not going to do it, so don't ask. But do y'all remember the old song by Ray Bolts? Thank you. Y'all remember that? You mean, so I know who I'm talking about. I don't know if these illustrations work anymore. Show your hands, show your hands. Young people are like, Ray Bolts, who's that? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? One more time. I got to know if that's legit. If you have heard of the song by Ray Bolts, thank you for giving to the Lord. I was alive. That was changed. Raise your hand. Wow, it's about 2%. Ray Bolts, it was in the... Might have been the 80s. Ray Bolt's great Christian artist wrote this song. It's called Thank You. And again, we're not doing it. But, but it, the song is Thank You for Giving to the Lord. I was a life that was changed. Remember those lyrics? That comes from this scripture. Get a God-sized vision of what it would look like for you to become a steward and honor your God with your finances. And what this verse says is that your righteousness will will endure forever. It actually lends us to believe that when you get to heaven one day, you just might have folks who actually thank you because you gave a missionary went to a foreign land because you gave a person got saved because you gave a marriage was restored because you gave an addiction was broken because you gave children were raised in the way of the Lord and set on the right path because you gave because you gave because you gave the Bible says you Your righteousness and mine will endure when? Forever. Isn't that a great, great thought? Back to the text. Back to the text. 2 Corinthians 9. Just another verse or two. Love this passage. Verse 10. Now he who who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food... Will also supply and increase your store of seed and will, will what church? Enlarge what? He who will supply seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Let's just continue. Verse 11. You will be enriched in every way. So that you can be, what's the word? So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in the thanksgiving to God. Hesitate. To really teach this because again, I'm so careful. I never want to be seen as a prosperity gospel preacher. But again, you can't negate the clear teaching of scripture. What God's word is saying is when a man or a woman comes over here to his house and honors God with 10%. What the word of the Lord is saying is that God then will step in. Listen to me, church, and will actually enlarge your harvest so that you can be generous in every situation it's a beautiful powerful thing and god might bless you with more money god might bless you with sound health god might bless you with great marriages god might bless you with great children but it does not 
change the fact that God's word promises that when a woman or a man honors him with their finances, he enlarges their harvest. That, yeah, praise God and thank you, God, for that. It's powerful. And so I want to show you a video that actually, I don't know, I've ever seen a video that so, so represents, so encapsulates this principle of the seed. That God will take a man or a woman who gets their financial house in order and he'll bless them. And you know what? That's why some of you, when I've been teaching this series, you've been sitting there smiling at me. You're so glad I'm teaching on this because you want others to experience what you've experienced. It's actually why I've enjoyed teaching on this because I want you to experience what I have experienced. This is not about some pastor wanting something from you. This is about some pastor in some church that wants something for you. There's a huge difference. And Molly Stillman, credible woman of God in our church and her husband, John, Put together a video for us. We heard their story and we're like, oh, we got it. We got to share that. Check it out. I had no financial education. I didn't know how to budget. You know, I put everything on a credit card and I found myself a year out of college, $36,000 in debt. My name is Molly Stillman and this is my story. As I started paying off my debt, I started going deeper and deeper into a state of anger and depression and loneliness because nobody knew what I was going through. My family didn't know, my friends didn't know, my roommates didn't know. There was about a three or four month span there where I didn't even have enough money for food. And I had been referred to a, a organization called Angel Food Ministries. What I would do is I would take the food in the cardboard box that they would give me and I would put it in Harris Teeter bags and take it back to my apartment so that my roommate didn't know. Um, she just thought I went grocery shopping. In July of 2010, I started seeing a gentleman named John. We went to New Hope together. I just remember loving the music and the message and I haven't missed a Sunday since then. A couple weeks later, Pastor Benji was doing a sermon on tithing, giving 10% of your income back to God. If you make $1,000, you write a check for $100 back to the church. And I wrote a check for $50 to New Hope Church. And that was a lot of money to me. A couple weeks later, I got a package in the mail from Pastor Benji. And in it was a book called The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. So I read it and I was just feeling more and more convicted because he's talking about things like, you know, trying to outgive God, but you can't outgive God. And so I was feeling really convicted. A month after I wrote that first tithe check, I got a bonus, my first bonus at work. And it was for exactly 10% of my income. I just said, okay, God, I'm going to keep doing this. And so for the next couple months, I just would, I would write that tithe check, a handwritten check every single month and drop it in the basket at New Hope. So I took another leap of faith and I started tithing on my gross income. About a week later, after I'd written that first tithe check on my gross income, I got another bonus at work and a raise. And so suddenly I was able to pay more off towards my debt. I was able to breathe a little bit. I also at that time decided that I wanted to go on a mission trip with New Hope to Kenya. And Kenya just completely made me fall even more in love with Jesus. I got back from Kenya and two weeks later, I got a job offer from a different company. When I opened up that offer letter and saw how much the starting salary was, I realized that it was exactly double what I had been making exactly a year before, right when I started going to New Hope and right when I first sort of took that, that step in turning my finances over to God. I broke down in tears because I realized that that was God saying to me, see, I told you, I told you to test me. John and I married in February of 2012 here at New Hope. Pastor Benji married us. Two weeks after we got married, we got back from the honeymoon. I wrote the last check that I will ever write to a credit card company, and I became debt-free. 
At this point, I've even been able to share my story on my blog. You know, a couple people have written to me and told me that they've accepted Christ and that they've started going to church just because of my story. And the fact that God's able to use something like my fashion and beauty lifestyle blog to bring people to Him is pretty humbling and pretty amazing um, that if, if God can do something like this through somebody like me, he can do a lot of things through a lot of people. What if every Christian tithes the full 10%? Um, I read somewhere that on average, only about 5% of Christians tithe the full 10%. Think about the amount of money that could go towards feeding the homeless and sheltering the homeless and the people that could be helped in our communities and the women and the children that could be rescued out of the sex trafficking industry. Think about what the church could do. It's, it's hard to imagine, but it's, it's fun to imagine. I love how Molly said there at the end, and, and we don't tell people what to say when they do these kinds of videos. This was just, there's a little bit of pastor in her. Do you notice how she started casting vision there at the end? She said, imagine what God could do with the church if Christians just tithed. Put verse 11 back up on the screen. You will be enriched in every way. So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your what? Your what? Generosity will result in thanksgiving. I mean, some of you hear a story like that about Molly. And you're like, oh, honey, buy the CD. Count us in. You know, blessings. And I want to be crystal clear. Sometimes it happens like that. But sometimes those blessings take up different forms. But God always blesses. God always blesses the man and the woman or the family that get their financial houses in order. It's the principle of the seed. You can take it to the bank. It's tried and true. It works every single time. And she mentioned that book, The Blessed Life. And some of you want more, like you're a little sad that this series is ending. Go to the Resource Center today. Robert Morris and his book, The Blessed Life, is incredible. In fact, I'm so excited. Robert has invited me to be with him in Atlanta in February. Just about 15 of us are going to spend a Monday night with him. This is an unbelievable pastor from Texas. This is the best book I've ever read on finances. And I sent it to Molly. Some of you already have it. But if you want to buy a book that will keep shaping your worldview and get you in touch with the blessed life, go to the Resource Center today and buy that. We might have sold out. If we do, did, they'll take your order. But I want this so, so bad for you. Because the church, the hope of the world rides on this. Like if God is going to bless us, what that means is that people are going to be saved throughout all of eternity because you and I honor God with our finances. You want to know how to get rich? Stop living like an owner. Live like a steward. Go home today, like today. Because some of you have great hearts and you're like, you're going to want to do it, but you're going to neglect do it. And then tomorrow it's going to be harder. And the next day it's going to be harder. And you'll be right back where you've been all this time. And insanity, beloved, is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. So some of you are like, just make it plain for me, pastor. What should I do? Here's what you should do. You should do exactly what I've done. You should go home and in some unencumbered environment, no manipulation, no stress. You figure out what you make. You take out a calculator. You do the math. And you let 2014 be the year you transition from owner to steward. You let it be the year that you stop 
nickeling and diming God. You let it be the year that you take your tithe and you bring it to the storehouse of the Lord and you watch God bless your life. You actually figure it out. You actually live out that verse that Ava shared with me on Monday night. Just tell me what to do, Lord, and I'll do it. Make me walk along the right path. I want to end with a song. We've never done it here. Some of you heard it because you're big Hillsong fans. It's by far my favorite song these days. It's our first time doing it here. It's called Oceans. Those are the Hillsong people right there, see? And as I was thinking about how I'd end this message and end this series, I just want to reiterate something I said earlier. A lot of you aren't greedy. You're just scared. You just worry. And in Matthew 14, you can go read it, but you've probably heard it. If you haven't heard this passage, uh, you're probably new to the church and the faith. But there's this cool passage in Matthew 14. It's halfway through the gospel of Matthew. And Jesus has been living out his ministry with his disciples. And he sends them across the Sea of Galilee. And they get in a boat and they go across the Sea of Galilee. And right before the sun rises, Jesus, I know this is going to sound weird to you. Some of you are like, whoa, that sounds weird. I know it's in the Bible. Jesus actually walks on water. Jesus is walking on water and the disciples in the boat go, whoa, it's a ghost. And Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, call me and I'll get out of the boat. You remember the passage? And Peter, Peter gets out of the boat. Can you imagine what the first step was like? Can you imagine? I mean, like, how, how, do, you, how do you transition the weight from this foot onto the water? And Jesus steps out and then Jesus walks a little bit. But then he starts to sink. And everybody gives on I me, mean, Peter. Everybody gives old Peter a hard time. That old Peter. Doubting Peter. Little faith Peter. Darn Peter. Couldn't you just keep your eyes on Jesus? I got a question for you. Where were the other 11? Their butts were scared in the boat. But Peter, man. Peter. I love Peter. Peter goes, Lord, just call me. And Jesus says, come. And, and Peter steps out. And he overcomes his fear. And he trusts God. What would it look like for 2014 to be a defining year for you in the arena of your finances? What would it look like for you to go home and maybe with trembling hands. I know if the Lord impressed upon my heart one thing this week, he impressed this. This is really hard. This is really hard for some of you. It's scary. And I don't want to make light of that. But what if you maybe with trembling hands. Just figured out the income. Did the math. And began to experience life as a steward. Who sowed seed. And as a result, the kingdom was advanced through you. Here it is. And your life gets blessed like never, ever, ever before. This song, the words say this. You call me out upon the waters. The great unknown. Listen, listen. Where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery in oceans deep. My faith will stand. Second verse. And I will call upon your name. And keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise. My soul will rest. In your embrace. For I am yours. And you are mine. Do you belong to God? Like for real. Do you belong to God? Then your finances belong to God. 
Oh, I'm going to say, I, 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 this just stuff's coming to me left and right. This is not on my sheet either. I know a pastor who was leading the offering one Sunday and he, in the traditional church. He lifted up the offering plates and he said, God, despite what we say, this is what we really believe about you. For I am yours and you are mine. Let me just sing. Let me just read this last part. It's the chorus of the bridge. I don't know. I'm not a musical guy. It's one of the two. But I know we sing it over and over and over. And it says this. Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Listen. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Let this song just be a capstone, if you will, on the last three weeks. Stand to your feet, if you will. When all heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to do something. Nobody's looking at you. This is between you and God. Take, take your hands and just hold them up. Just not above your head. You can if you want. But I'm just talking about down by your waist. Just palms toward the heavens. Spirit, lead us where our trust is without borders. Let us walk upon the waters wherever you would call us. Lord God, take us deeper than our feet could ever wander. And may our faith, oh God, may our faith be made stronger in the presence of our Savior. God, thank you for your people. Beautiful bride of Christ. With our palms toward the heavens, we surrender. With our palms toward the heavens, God, we commit our resources to you. God, we want to be good stewards. We want to be faithful stewards so that when we get to the heaven one day, you would look at us and you would say, well done, good and faithful servant. So, Father, we give you our lives. We give you our hearts. And we gladly bring to you your finances. Use them to grow this movement to the glory and honor of Jesus. And God, would you please bless us in the process. And as you do, we will bless you back. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope, visit us at www.newhopenc.org. If you have any prayer requests or praises, please email us at prayers at newhopenc.org. Our pastors and staff would love to pray for you.